All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and pray, and we'll commit this time to the Lord, and we'll get into our session this, this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it speaks to us. You speak to us through your word. And Father, we're trusting now that you will quiet our hearts, that you would keep us from distraction, and that you would speak to us. Give us ears to hear, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So at the Library of Congress, there's a a small box, and they actually loaned it to me. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) There's this small box with a label, Contents of the President's Pockets on the Night of April 14th, 1864. Does anyone know what president that would be, 1864? Abraham Lincoln. So this is what was in his pockets when he was assassinated, the evening that he was assassinated. So, you know, we've got a couple of different things. We've got some little spectacles. We can pretend, okay? (laughs) They didn't have sunglasses that I know of back then. Maybe they did. but So he had some glasses in there, two pairs of glasses. Um, He had a, a little handkerchief on his. It was actually embroidered his his name so he had that in there he had a a case for his glasses at least one one case for one of his glasses um he had a little something that attached to his his watch um and uh so i didn't i didn't have it It was gold or something like that so i didn't have it but i I brought my watch at least but he had that in his pocket he had a little pocket knife that was another thing in his pocket. He, uh, he also had a wallet with um, a picture of himself on his $5 bill. <laughs> Actually, it was a Confederate $5 um, bill. And, and the, the thought was he had just been to, I think it was Richmond, and maybe he got a souvenir or something like that. But that's, that's the idea there. But here's the last thing that was in his pocket. It was really interesting. Um, it was newspaper clippings. Uh, I don't get a newspaper, so you know have, we have to use our imagination a little bit. But it was newspaper clippings. And these newspaper clippings were different articles that spoke of how great a leader he was. Um, in fact, one of the articles was written uh, by uh, a guy named, named John Bright. And it basically said... Uh, that Abraham Lincoln is or was one of the greatest men of all times. That's what it said. That was in one of those articles that he kept in his, his pocket. That seems strange to us because in our minds, we're like, wow, President Lincoln, he was a great leader. Um, he was a good man. Uh, but, you know, back then, not everyone liked him. He had a lot of opponents. He had a lot of critics. And he faced opposition. So it would seem like what Abraham Lincoln did was he kept these newspaper clippings in his pocket to encourage himself and to give him confidence as he led. As he faced that opposition against him, it would seem like he maybe took those newspaper clippings and looked at them to give himself confidence. Well, 
King David, the guy who lived thousands of years ago, whose life we know through the word of God, he also faced opponents. He had enemies, real enemies, just like Abraham Lincoln, who um, wanted to kill him at times. He had enemies that wanted to kill him. He had enemies that criticized him, hurled insults and rocks at him at one point. Where did David find his confidence? David didn't keep newspaper clippings in his pocket. He looked to a different source for his confidence. And that's what we are going to be looking at in this psalm, Psalm 3. You can go ahead and turn there in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 3. As we look at this psalm, we're wondering, where did David get his confidence? Where did he get his confidence? We're also going to be asking three other questions as we go through this psalm. And they're there on your handout. They're in the bold there. These three questions. What was going on in David's life? How did he respond to what was going on? And what did David's response lead to? Where does it go? So what is going on in his life? The situation. How did David respond? And what did David's response lead to? Now, most of us here are not like Abraham Lincoln and David, you know. I would say all of us are not like, we're not leaders of a country, right? But we too can face opposition, uh, difficulties, trials, struggles. We can face some of the similar things that David faced in his life. We can be tempted to be afraid. We can have doubts and struggle with doubts in our lives. And by looking at David's response, we'll be encouraged to have the same response that he had as we encounter and face those fears and those doubts. So let's get into this psalm. What is going on in David's life? Let me just read to you the first two verses, because this is where we get the answer to that question. A psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising up or rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. So here we're told at the very beginning of verse 1 that David is fleeing when he fled from Absalom, his son. Now there's a whole backstory to this, what's going on here. But basically, the short of it is, David had a, a beloved son that he, he just, um, he loved greatly, and his name was Absalom. And again, there's a lot of details here that we just don't have time to get into, but basically, the short of it is, Absalom led a, re, a revolt, a rebellion against his own dad. And he had been kind of working the hearts of the people, and he became really popular, and then he basically went and declared himself king. And at that point, everyone liked him. And so he basically stole the kingdom from his own dad. And David had to flee Jerusalem for his life. And so he left with a few of his men, some of his bodyguards, his close men, um, and, and he fled out of Jerusalem. As he was fleeing, there's this guy that came along and um, just hurled insults at him and threw rocks at him. 
and his and his men. And so David is fleeing for his life. These guys are after his life. They want to kill him. Absalom and his own son and the men with him want to kill David. And so he's facing that, and we're told that at the very beginning. Now, notice what else David says, how he describes what's going on in verse 1. Do you see a word that's repeated in verse 1 and verse 2? What's the word? I know it's summer, so we got a review of verbs last night, but let's see how good uh, your observational skills are. So, yeah, Hayden. Many. Yeah, he repeats it. He's emphasizing. It's like, there's a lot. That's the idea. Many, many, many. A lot of enemies are coming. Now, what's really interesting is that word foes or enemies in the Hebrew, it's an unusual word. It's not the typical word used for enemies. But what this particular word that's used here, it carries the idea at the root level of constriction, constricting. And and one scholar mentioned how it's kind of like a boa constrictor constricts its prey to kill it and gobble it up. Um, That's kind of the idea behind that word. And it's like David's painting this picture here of he's being constricted. The enemy are rising up. And they're wrapping themselves around him and constricting down, going for the kill. He's surrounded, and the pressure's on. And he's facing this, this difficulty here. Now, notice what else they say here. Many are saying of my soul. It's interesting that he would use the word soul here because it carries the idea of just the core of who you are. And that's kind of the, the idea, as one of the, the scholars put it. it. It's not, it's kind of your belief system, and you could take it that way. So it's very core of who he is, his beliefs even. They're saying this of my soul, of the very core of who he is. There is no salvation for him in God. Meaning they're, tr- they're throwing these doubts at David. They're saying, God's not going to deliver you. God's not going to save you. And they're trying to shake the very core of what he believes deep down in his belief in the Lord. So you could sum up what David is facing as he's he's facing a very fearful situation. Later on, he says, I will not be afraid. But you, you can imagine if you had enemies around you, it would be fearful. You'd be tempted to be fearful. But he's also facing doubts. Is God really going to deliver me? He could wonder that. Because that's what his enemies are saying. God's not going to deliver him. We've got him. God's not going to protect him. Save him. Deliver him out of this situation. Yeah, I wonder how many of you may be in a situation just like David. What do I mean? Maybe you are facing actual physical threats. Like verbal threats. Maybe like... David, someone, someone's threatening you. Maybe you have a bully in your life. You, you get bullied at school, in your neighborhood. Uh, maybe it's not in person, but maybe online. Maybe people bully you online. They make all kinds of nasty comments about you. They hurl all kinds of threats at you. Um, maybe something else in your life is, is causing fear. David 
is facing enemies all around, constricting him, pulling in, rising up against him. Many enemies surrounding him. How's he going to face it? Well, we're going to get to that more in just a moment. But maybe some of you are facing doubt. Maybe you've been wrestling against sin in your life, and you're not seeing victory in your life. And there's this little voice in the back of your head that's saying, there's no salvation for you in God. Quit the fight. Just just go for the sin. It's not worth fighting anymore because you're not getting victory. Why look to God to deliver you? He's not going to do it. And you've been wrestling and you're, you're like, Lord, I want victory. And you're just, you're thinking, maybe I'll just give up and just go to sin. Maybe you're facing... Um, other doubts in your life. Maybe you're depressed. Like maybe you're just really down and you've lost hope. And you're just like, is there any way that God can deliver me? Because every morning I get up and I just, I don't want to go through the day. I can barely get out of bed. Maybe that's you. And, and you hear this, this voice, uh, there's no salvation for me in God. There's no hope. I'm never going to get out of this. Maybe that's you. David's facing fear. He's facing these doubts being hurled at him. How does David respond? And that's what we want to see in the rest of this this psalm. You know, you could sum up David's response really with this one word. He responds with confidence. Confidence in the Lord. Confidence in the Lord. It's really incredible confidence. Later on, he even says, as I mentioned earlier, he says, I won't fear. It doesn't matter how many enemies face me. I'm never going to fear. But how does he get to that confidence? Why is he confident? Well, there's three reasons that we see that David is confident. Why he's confident. We see three reasons in this psalm. So let's take a look at each of these reasons for why David is confident even though he's got all these enemies around him and they're hurling these doubts uh, at him. Let's look at verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. You know, they're saying God's not going to deliver you, but he says, whoa, wait a minute. That's false. Here's reality. This is reality. This is what is true. God, you are my shield. You are my glory. You're the lifter up of my head. Now, okay, we understand, we get why he would say, you're my shield, because he's got enemy and he's looking to the Lord to protect him. Why would he say my glory? Why would he say the lifter up of my head? Well, remember, David was king and he's been thrown off the the throne. And what is he looking to for his his identity. He's looking to the Lord. Uh, Glory has the idea of dignity or or honor. And he says, Lord, you're my honor. You're my dignity. So I can lose the kingdom and it's okay. My, My identity isn't found in being a king. You're my identity. You're my glory. The idea of lifter up of, of my head is, um, is the idea of you can restore me to honor, to a place of honor. He's been disgraced by his son. We won't go into all the details. But Absalom absolutely disgraced his dad in the rebellion. And, and David says, Lord, you lift me up. 
you exalt me. I'm looking to you to be that source of honor and source of, of glory. And so he's trusting the Lord to restore him. And he's saying, Lord, this is what's true. They're saying what's false, but this is what's real. This is what's true. And so you could say David is confident. Think about what he's doing in this. David is confident in the fact that he, he turns his thoughts to God and chooses to trust him. He says, again, you are my shield. So I'm going to look to you to protect me and to restore me to that place of, uh, of honor. Uh, you're the one who does that. You're the source there. So he turns his thoughts to God and he chooses to trust him. That's not the only thing, though, that gives David confidence. Let's look at um, verse 4. He says, I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Here's what else gives David confidence. He's confident because he remembers how the Lord has already helped. Notice that this, okay, these verbs again, right, are in the past tense. Uh, unless uh, that's at least the way most translations translate this. If you have NIV, it's a little bit different, but most of the major translations, ESV and ASV, they all go to the past tense here. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. And so David's looking back to the past to remember how God has answered, how God has helped him. And, and so here he is in this, what seems like a hopeless situation, and he remembers, no, God's been faithful. I've cried to the Lord before, and he's answered me from his holy hill. He's the one truly ruling here. And so he looks to the past and how he's trusted the Lord, and the Lord's met him. And it gives him confidence now, at this present moment. What else gives David confidence? Well, let's look at verses 5 and 6. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Who here slept well last night? Good, good. It's not always easy when you go to a place the first night to sleep. You're not in your normal bed, so you're kind of figuring that out. It can be a little hard to sleep. You know, here David's running for his life. And, uh, and it would seem like he's writing this psalm in the morning, and he's had a good night's sleep. And he's, you know what, I laid down, and I was actually able to sleep. Have you ever had a time, and you don't need to raise your hand, but have you ever had a time where you were so bothered by something you couldn't really sleep? It just kept you up at night? Here's David. His enemies are in pursuit of him, and he's able to sleep. Why? Well, he says why. He says, the Lord sustains me. The Lord met him. So he, he looks to how the Lord is meeting him at the present time. And he's encouraged by it. He's so encouraged that he would say, it doesn't matter if we face thousands. It's okay. I'm, I'm not afraid. The Lord has met me now, and he's going to keep meeting me as I look to the future. Not only has God met me in the past, not only is he meeting me in the present, but he will meet me. So I don't need to be afraid as I look to to the future. And so David has confidence in that fact that he sees how the Lord is working. I was able to sleep. The Lord sustained me. Okay, I won't be afraid as I look to the future. 
So these three reasons, he turns his thoughts to the God and chooses to trust him and it builds his confidence. He remembers how the Lord has already helped him and then he sees how the Lord is working even even now. So this confidence is going to lead to David responding in a certain way. Um, Remember, we've been thinking through these three questions, what was going on, how did David respond? He responded with confidence. And then what does this confidence lead to? Well, that's what verses 7 and 8 answer, that question. Here's verse 7. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. He's calling on the Lord to rise up. The enemies are rising against him. Look at verse 1. But he says, Lord, you arise. Now, what's really interesting is this arise, O Lord. It's actually taken from the time when Moses was the leader, several hundred years before David's time. And they were living in the desert. And when they would leave, they were camping. If you remember, they were going on the way from Egypt to the promised land. They were camping along the way. And it we're told that when they would leave the camp, Moses would cry, you know, rise up, O Lord, and, and, and kind of journey with us. And, um, and, and so this language is very much the same kind of idea. Lord, rise up with us. Go before us as a warrior would to battle. And, and so he says, rise up, O Lord. Save me, O my God, he's crying out. You see, his confidence leads him to pray, to cry out to God, to cry out to God for help. Again, if you look back at what the, what's going on in the situation in verse 2, you know, there's no salvation for him in God. He says, no, I'm going to look to God to save me. And he says, not just any God, he says, my God. The enemy said there's no salvation for him in God. They don't even say his God. They just, yeah. But he says, Lord, you are my God, and I'm looking to you to be my salvation. doesn't matter what the enemy says. I'm going to trust in you. And really, this prayer is an expression of his faith, his trusting in God. It's evidenced in the fact that he's crying out to God. So he's looking to the Lord in, in faith, and he, um, his confidence leads to this prayer and this faith in the Lord. And so he ends with this statement in verse 8. Again, completely contradicting what the enemy was saying. Salvation belongs to the Lord. That's a fact. He knows it. Your blessing be on your people. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. So he ends with this sense of just hopefulness, a statement of confidence and faith. Lord, you, you are the one who brings salvation. It belongs to you, and you bless your, your people. So he's hopeful in the Lord. Now, let's think about, again, how that relates to us in our, in our own lives. How can, how can we have confidence like David, when we're facing fearful situations or we're facing doubts and struggles with, with what we believe? How can we mimic what David does and, and follow in the faith that he had? David's confidence is incredible. He, you know, he's to that point where he says, like, it doesn't matter how many enemies face me, I'm, I'm okay. 
It's incredible confidence. How can we have similar confidence in the Lord? Well, there's three ways that we want to highlight how can we have confidence like David. And the first way is, is this, that we can turn our thoughts to the Lord and cry out to him. Again, David didn't have newspaper clippings in his pockets. No. Instead, he turns to the Lord. And again, as his enemies, they're saying there's no hope for you, there's no salvation, David comes back to what is true, what is real. This is reality. God is my shield, my glory, the lifter up of my head. The enemy says God won't deliver, but David's trusting that he will be his deliverer. So he turns his thoughts away from what's causing the fear, what's causing the doubts, and he turns to the Lord. It makes me think of when, um, remember after Jesus rose from the dead, there's the disciples, his disciples that were on the road to Emmaus. And do you remember how he meets them? And do you remember how he, they were struggling, like we thought Jesus was the Messiah and he's dead. It just, just doesn't make sense. Do you remember how he encouraged them? He opened, he, he opened the word with them. He explained to them through the Old Testament about the Messiah, about himself. What was he doing? He was turning their thoughts to himself, to what was real, what was true, to his word. As we face doubts, turn your thoughts to the Lord. Trust in him. That's what David does, this he cries out to the Lord because he's trusting in the Lord. And if David didn't think that God would help, why did he pray? No, he does know that God will help him. He does believe that God can help him. It doesn't matter what, what the enemy is saying. And so when you're facing things that can cause fear, that just want to grip you, that want to suffocate you, you can turn your thoughts to the Lord. This Lord, this is who you are, and I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to trust in what is true what is real? When you're struggling with doubts, what are you thinking on? Have you turned your thoughts to the Lord? Have you set your gaze upon him? Are you crying out to him? You might be thinking, well, if, if, when I'm struggling with doubts, I just don't even feel like I can trust God. Like, I don't feel like I can even cry out to him because that's why I'm having doubts. <laughs> why would I turn my thoughts to the Lord if I'm struggling with fear or doubts that are so overwhelming. Well, go back to what David does. What else does he do when he's struggling, or not struggling, but when he's facing this opposition? What else does he do? Well, he remembers how God has worked. So if you're struggling with doubts, maybe you need to, again, turn your thoughts to the Lord and remember how he's been faithful to you in the past. How has he answered prayer? How has he spoken to you? And that can encourage you if you're struggling to trust him. It can encourage you in the present by looking back, just like David looked back. and He looks back to when he prayed and the Lord met him. You can look back to how God has been faithful to you in your past and how the Lord has sustained you. Remember how God has worked, how God has answered prayer, God, how God hasn't forsaken you. How God has been faithful, and it can give you confidence in the present. So that's another thing that you can do, just like David. Remember how God has worked in the past. Let that encourage you to trust him now. 
But there's a third way, and I really think this is so vital and so important. You see, a reason that David can look back at how God has worked in the past is because David has been a man who's sought the Lord in the past. And he continues to do so. Let me, let me say that again. The reason that David can look back to the times when he's prayed and God has answered is because he's always been a person of tr- faith and prayer. He's always been seeking the Lord. So that when he got into the middle of a crisis, he can look back to see, oh yeah, God has worked. God has been faithful. I've trusted him before. I can trust him now. What, what am I trying to say the best way to prepare for a crisis is just to trust the Lord now when you're not in a crisis. To always be a man who, or woman who seeks after God. Don't wait for a crisis. Learn to walk with him now. And as you seek the Lord, it'll help you when you're in that difficult situation to be able to look back and see like, yeah, God has met me because I, I sought him before and, and he has met me in, in, in the past. It wasn't like David got into the situation with these enemies and he's now starting to really seek the Lord. If you, you know anything of David's life, you know that he's always had a heart, a man after God's own heart. Uh, he, he, when he was a shepherd, it would seem like he wrote some of those psalms. He was a musician and he wrote songs to the Lord. Um, and it just seemed like he always, even at a young age, the age that some of you guys are, he set himself to seek the Lord. And he's and if you read the life of David, he's always seeking the Lord. Now he does have his his uh sinful moments. He's like us. Um and uh and we see that he makes some he really blows it in big time ways. Um but he's always seeking the Lord, always seeking the Lord. And so here he's in this difficult moment. And because he's always been seeking the Lord, it encourages him now. And, and so here, the encouragement here is seek the Lord. Learn to trust him now in the, just the normal day. I know oftentimes our tendency is like you need to make a big decision. So you're like, okay, I'm really going to read the Bible and pray a lot. You make the big decision. You're like, oh, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good for a while. I can just coast, you know. Learn to seek the Lord um, and learn to find in him everything that you need. And he will reveal himself to you and, and you will come to enjoy him, to be satisfied in him, to find him as your security and your sufficiency and your satisfaction. So, um, in conclusion... Here we see David responding to things that could have caused fear in his life, to some serious doubts, and yet he responds with confidence in trusting the Lord. Why was he confident? Well, he turns his thoughts to the Lord. He looks back to the past. He remembers how God has met him. He sees how God is working right now. And so it leads to him in confidence trusting the Lord. If we need confidence, we can do just what David did. Turn our thoughts to him and trust him. Cry out to him. We can remember how God has worked. And we can seek him and learn to trust him now.
All right, let's go ahead and close out our, our time in prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that through your word, you meet the deep needs of our hearts. I pray for any that are here who are struggling with fear. Maybe they're struggling with doubts. That, Father, you would reassure them, even this week, that you would come and meet them in their area of need. Even if you don't ever resolve their questions, I I ask that you would reveal yourself to them. That they would leave here in confidence, trusting in you, because you are faithful. You are a faithful God. May we be, all of us, men and women who seek after you, to love you, to glorify you with our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen.